I apparently have a soft spot in my heart for bearded homeless men, <laughs> if I shared this with you. But anyway, this one young man, uh, Gad, was his name that he had adopted through this religious cult. Um, came in and we, we kind of became friends. They wouldn't let him get glasses he couldn't see. I took him and got him a pair of glasses. His teeth were kind of rotting out. He was on his way to septic or something that would be really, really bad. Uh, so I took him to the dentist, got his teeth fixed a little bit. He kind of got a little bit disenchanted with the, with the cult. Uh, I let him sleep in the bike store on cold nights. And eventually he actually got out of the cult and got married, had five kids, had a, a connection, a lifetime connection. I was best man at his wedding. So to ha have affected a change or help affect a change in a young man who was going down a, a, a dangerous path yeah. feels really good. Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show, the podcast designed to learn from the successes and the failures of small businesses making an impact. My name is Seth Silvers, and after four years of helping small businesses learn to market with stories, I've learned that someone might be selling something similar to you, but nobody, absolutely no one, can compete with your stories. This show is dedicated to diving into the one thing that makes every small business unique, their story, and learning from the good and the hard parts. If you see business as a tool for good, and you want to learn from others who believe the same, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week and another new episode of the Small Business Storytellers. Uh, I just want to take a quick minute before we jump into the conversation with Dave Hudson of Recycled Cycles and just let you know this conversation really made a mark on me as a business owner and I hope it does the same for you. It is so evident that Dave is passionate, not just about helping people, but about seeing them develop, seeing them grow. And he's used his passion to serve people. So I think you will love this episode. And without further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Dave Hudson of Recycled Cycles from Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Storytellers. I hope you are having a wonderful week. Uh, I'm here today with Dave Hudson, who I got to meet in the last year. And growing up in Northern Colorado, uh, Recycled Cycles is definitely a staple business. I feel like everybody in our town knows about Recycled Cycles. And today we get to dive a little bit into that story um, and even just into how bikes change communities and change cities. And um, so, I want to welcome Dave Hudson. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Seth. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And Dave, to, to start, just give us a little bit of context for what um, what your life and your business looks like now, and then we'll kind of go back to the start. Sure. Well, right now, even though it's kind of a cold uh, January day, more typical for Northern Colorado, I have to say right now my life is fantastic. I just got uh, engaged last week. Wow, so I'm going to be married this year. That's kind of exciting for me. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of traveling. I uh, like going to warm places when uh, when it's cold here in Colorado. Do you so, have some favorites you like to travel to? Yeah, it's Mexico is okay. kind of fun and easy and cheap to get to, so right. I do that. And uh, so, yeah, so really been enjoying that. Um, I'm working very very little, which I appreciate at this yeah. point in life. Uh, I put f 40 years now into Recycled Cycles, my bike store, Amazing. and to get to a point where I go in once a week maybe twice a week for two or three hours it's a beautiful thing mm. so I, I tell people i'm practicing being retired 
And I will say, I, I, I think I'm pretty damn good at it. Uh, <laughs> I had no problem. It, it took me quite a while to get to the point where I right. could step back. Yeah. But, so I love it. Um, How did it all start? 40 years, is that that's impressive. That's uh, well. I mean, I'm sitting here as a 27-year-old business owner, and uh, I just recognize that that's uncommon sure. to be in the same business for 40 years. But I also think it's just it's honorable. So share, share with us a little bit how that how it all started. Sure. Thank you. My story then actually would begin the middle of the last century uh, where I was born in a log cabin, me and Abe Lincoln. And, uh, but my family, we didn't have horses. We had bicycles. So okay. they were, they were tied up out front and we went to ride into town on our bikes. But where was it, that? Arvada, Colorado. Actually. Okay. So born in Arvada, um, didn't learn to ride a bike until I was gosh, 12 or 13 years old. My family actually did not believe in bicycles. Uh, so a, a little neighbor, girl actually had a little bike that was kind of beat up and wrecked and I learned how to ride on this little red bicycle at 12 or 13 years old um, and really gravitated to it. Bicycles are, were fun for me because they were mechanical um, but they weren't heavy and dirty and smelly and expensive like cars mm -hmm. so it was something that I could work on and tangibly have fun with. Um, my parents encouraged me to uh, to try a little bit of a business. So I'd go to garage sales and buy bikes for two or three or five or eight dollars and bring them home and strip them down and paint them up and regrease them and put them back together and sell them for uh, 50 or 60 or 80 dollars. And How so old were you at that time? I was 15 when I really first got started. Okay. Um, my uh, mother taught me a little bit of bookkeeping so I had some a simple inventory system right. that I tracked bicycles, uh, figure out if I was making a buck or not. Um, she actually encouraged and helped me get set up with a wholesale distributor to buy parts so I could save money that way. But I wasn't old enough to drive, so she had to drive me to the distributor to pick up bike parts uh, down in Denver. So it piqued my interest. Yeah. And so during high school, I sold about 600 bicycles. Wow. And so it was, it was a, also a beautiful time of life to have youth and health and uh, some money and free time. So right. It, led me to the path of being self-employed. I realized at a pretty early age that's what I wanted to do. Right. And it made it easy to, when I came up to Fort Collins to go to Colorado State University, um, that's just what we did in my family. We went to college, so came up here, started in uh, business marketing and finished in business and marketing. Three and a half years, kind of jumped through it. And everything I did in college directed me toward opening my own business. Okay. So if I had an accounting class, I was accounting for a retail bicycle store. Huh. If there was a, a market survey that needed to be done, I actually did a market survey on opening a used bike store in right. Fort Collins, Colorado. So it really directed my studies a lot and encouraged me because I wanted to get the hell done with college right. and get started. So That's awesome. I, I love that you were actually applying. You had in mind what you were learning for. Oh, I think a lot of people don't. It okay. really, really, really helped. That's yeah. cool. Did yeah. that help your education to be more fun because you knew you were you knew what it was going towards? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, instead of getting an assignment to, uh, you know, write an advertising proposal for, you know, some some big uh, tech corporation or something right. like that, I could write a marketing plan for a little guy opening a bike store locally, and it it yeah, I had a lot of self interest. So then, once you graduated, did you just Sorry, Jump, great, I'm jumped up right store. in, yeah. My uh, contemporaries at the time uh, graduated and they got interviewed and went on jobs with IBM or Xerox or whatever, selling copiers or whatever right. entry-level jobs they were. I had my uh, 
cut off shorts on and went down to my newly leased bike store and was painting walls and building fixtures and getting ready to open uh, months after I graduated. Had you been saving money to be, a, I mean, I, I imagine you needed some bikes up front or how, sure. did, how did you kind of get the... Yeah, I did. Well, when I had needed. Dave's bike shop in my parents' garage, um, again, I sold 600 bikes in high school. So I saved, I probably had $20,000 of my own money at that point um which was pretty good for 1976 yeah, whatever to, it was not, not speak like to that. your age but 20,000 then was was different than 20,000 now it, it so is it was indeed and but that wasn't enough really to get started so i uh so i need to borrow some money i was encouraged the bank wouldn't loan me any money of course because i'm a stupid kid <laughs> uh but i went to the sba and they had a direct loan program at that point and i was actually strangely able to get a minority business loan for $20,000 also. And most people would look at me and say, Dave, how did you get a minority (laughs) business loan? Um, And I was considered a economically and socially disadvantaged because of my age, because I was was 20 years old. And uh, so that fit this little category. And they had 20 or $22,000 sitting in the end of this account at the end of their fiscal year. Like, yeah, we'll give it to this kid. So, uh, (laughs) so I started out, uh, with $40,000 and started recycled cycles, buying and selling old bikes. Wow. So um, talk to us kind of about like, let's take kind of a fast journey through the last 40 years. I know that at times you've tried growing to many stores and then pulled back and learned different things through that. So just what has like, what has it looked like to grow recycled cycles? Or I guess maybe a better word would say, Evolve. What's the what's the yeah the evolution of recycled cycles look like over the last forty years? And I'm, years, I'm so, sure each sure. year has yeah. its own so journey. But do you, do you want the the two hour synopsis <laughs> or do you want the eight hour epic? <laughs> let's go with the. <laughs> it's your choice. Yeah. You want the three minutes? Okay. I, I want to hear the two hour. I want to hear those longer versions over dinner sometime. But <laughs> today, sure. let's dive into just kind of like pull out some points Fast that forward. stick out sure. to you. Uh, point would be my first year in business thinking I made money, but I was really broke, had no money, was bouncing checks, couldn't afford any payroll. So I laid everyone off and I was the only one working for me. Uh, So that was quite a lesson uh, (laughs) early, early on. Got pretty good at cash flow and inventory control. um, Figured out how to make at least a little bit of money in the bicycle business. Um, Had a employee that really wanted to move to Laramie, Wyoming, of all places, and said we need a bicycle store in Laramie, Wyoming. So he uh, opened my little shop, Recycled Cycles in Laramie. Then I hired another gentleman who was really, really good, really, really sharp, wanted to open a store in Cheyenne. So I said, sure. So we had Laramie and Cheyenne. Then we were in sort of a growth mode, um, opened a store in Longmont, Colorado, then leapfrogged south to Pueblo, Colorado. So had five stores we were doing uh four million a year i think back then um so it was quite successful so that's a lot of bikes that's a lot of bikes back then i've sold i figure i think over a hundred thousand bicycles in fort collins in my career (laughs) there's only what 150,000 people in fort collins yeah so uh pretty good market penetration i like to think that's amazing and it's fun now when i meet people like laurie in the other room um Everyone in Fort Collins has bought a bike, sold a bike to me, had a bike fixed, had some fitness equipment fixed, whatever. So anyway, so I did that. Then I opened, I decided we might as well hit the Denver market, opened three huge stores in Denver one year. But it, uh, the economy was pretty flat. We had a little bit of a recession for a year or two there. 
Um, my bank wasn't particularly helpful. I overexpanded, um, and it was a bad decision. So uh, at the same time, I thought to embark upon a national franchise program. Huh. So I changed the name to CycleFit, um, spent a lot of money on lawyers and franchise setup, and tried to get, uh, get going with that, and it, it failed. So basically, I went through bankruptcy at that right. point, uh, closed all the stores. I still own the name Recycled Cycles. When was that? That was 90, 93, I think. Okay. Something like that. So I, I still own the name Recycled Cycles, so I recycled myself, is what I like to say, <laughs> and started my uh, my second version of Recycled Cycles. So, and officially you did file for bankruptcy and shut things down and yes, then restart. Yes, for about 60 days. Okay. I applied for one job in between there. I said, and you know... Did you, when you shut it down, were you planning on restarting it or did you think uh, it was over? No, I uh, I worked up a resume and I applied for some jobs. I wow. said, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's time to get a regular job. I won't be able to... I didn't think I would be able to restart, huh. but I found a, uh, a flexible landlord that had that believed that I could probably do it again. And I knew the core, at the core it was a sound concept. Right. I had just, I had blown it. I had expanded too huh. much. I hadn't watched expenses closely. I had a, a rubber stamp at that point that had my signature on it, an actual rubber stamp. Bad decision. Don't ever get a rubber stamp with your signature because <laughs> <laughs> it made it too easy to spend money without thinking about it. So, uh, yeah. So I started again in a little store on South Mason Street uh, and then grew from that point took over another little section of the shopping center, another little section of the shopping center, um, bought the building about 10 years ago. Uh, also about 10 years ago, opened a little tiny store on the Colorado State University campus in the student center, um, which is a little bigger than this office, Seth, but, uh, <laughs> but not a lot. Which this is not a big studio. <laughs> it's not a big studio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that store has been going 10, 12 years now. And uh, don't really have any goals to expand right. beyond real estate is good um we now sell about four thousand bikes a year in okay. fort collins wow and, and it works so i'm really i, I want to stop and dive into that 60 days for a little bit because i think that's really interesting and you know a lot of people talk about how being an entrepreneur is in your blood and how it's hard to you know it's once you start down the path of self-employment and being your own boss and making your own money, it's hard to go back. Um, can you give us some insight into what was going on in in Dave where you realized, man, I've overexpanded. I imagine that that was a pretty hard season to then realize you have to close it down. Um, what were you feeling? What was going on in, in that time? It was... Word came to mind as you were asking that question, devastated. It was devastating. Um, I don't recommend bankruptcy to anyone. Right. I'm not proud of that phase of my life. Um, a fair number of people lost a lot of money on my bankruptcy. I'm not proud of that. Um, but what's what's the option? I realized that I had made some mistakes. And yes, the economy and the bank contributed, but I take responsibility for right. it. Um, yeah, so to realize, you know, to close one store and then say, no, I need to close all three of these Denver stores and you send trucks out in the middle of the night to pick up your stuff and get out what you can, it's very, very difficult, personally. Um, I had had some pretty good publicity as I had grown and expanded the business. So the Coloradoan newspaper called me for an interview about the bankruptcy and I knew that was going to hit the paper. Hmm. Um, so I had to, I, I didn't want my kids to find out about that at school or something, so I told them ahead of time. Um, 
very uncomfortable. Not a not a good time. But it, it was just the fact. I mean, what's the choice? Right. When what shifted to where? I mean, it's, I'm guessing it sounds like that was one of the lows. Yes, for sure. And uh, yet something shifted to where you realized. I'm going to do this again. Uh, Do you remember, remember, was it a moment or a day or what caused you to? I think it was probably pretty quick. I think I've always been a a survivalist and and like to be self-sufficient and self-supporting. So, I mean, the the day that I finally locked the door on the last store, I said, hey, I got to make some money this next month or else I'm going to be pretty hungry. Um, How can I make some money? So I, I did think that I could, maybe I would not be an entrepreneur and I would just get a job. So uh, sent out my resume to a couple companies and instantly got the form letter rejection back, which I'd never had before. Right. And I couldn't understand that because, of course, I was extremely qualified and knowledgeable for whatever position I was applying for. Um, and then I really, and then I think a relatively short period of time, of a few weeks even thought and said, you know, I, I know the bike business. I know retail. I know the industry. I know what I did wrong, so I can do this again. Um, just don't make don't make the same mistakes. So it was humbling, and I have told people and thought myself, you know, do I do I just lay in the gutter and and get on food stamps or something? You know, is, yeah. is that a legitimate option? Well, it wasn't for me. Right. Um, so I yeah, like I say, I still own the name Recycled Cycles, and I said, hey, I, I'm just going to do this again, very small and very conservatively and very smart. What were a few of the things that were there a few lessons that stood out that you knew you were going to do differently and apply second go around? Sure. I think to, uh, actually some of it was ego. I know part of what caused my, my downfall or bankruptcy, if you will, was the, uh, ego involvement of, of walking through the, the bicycle trade show and having people look and go, Oh, is that Dave? Is that Dave Hudson? How many stores does he have now? Uh-huh. Uh, suppliers calling up and saying, how many stores do you have? When are you going to open your next one? And being fed into that as right. I was 32 years old at the time or 31, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty sharp, successful young entrepreneur here. I think I can do this bigger. Um, so I think humbling made me more humble uh, and focused on every dollar that comes in and every dollar that goes out. And right. Training and just all the standard business principles that, you know, we hopefully all learn if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. Right. What... Uh I, I think it's really evident that you're passionate about bicycles. Uh, tell us a little bit more about why and, and really why you've been, I mean, really for 50 years, been passionate about bikes and getting more bikes in more people's hands. Sure. I, <clears throat> I don't ride a bike much anymore. Quite honestly, um, I did a lot of cycling in my younger uh, years for sure. I never never raced. I did one ten day tour okay. with with packs and gear and, and riding. Um, so I did enjoy that. But I think I enjoy the mechanics of bicycles because I'm a very hands on kind of guy. Right. I like to build things and do things. And as I said, they're relatively clean and lightweight and easy to manage. Um, the I enjoy the business side of it. Um, I, I know in retail I could sell or have a business doing most anything, um, but I always compare the bicycle business to selling, say, durable metal, medical equipment. Right. Where you're selling oxygen tents and wheelchairs that just can't be that much fun, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Whereas a bicycle, pretty much no one has to buy a bike except for those individuals that need the 90-day uh, transportation because they don't have a license for a while. Um, 
you know, so it's, it's good transportation. It is clean. Um, it's efficient. It's good for the environment. And I really, really like the recycling aspect of the, uh, you know, upcycling, reusing stuff. Mm-hmm. When I see people with a bicycle inner tube and it's got a tiny little pinprick in it, and they throw it away and put a brand new tube in. To me, this seems kind of horrible. It's right. not good for the planet. It's not good for anything. And it's not economically doesn't make economic right. sense either a lot of times do you just sell have you just sold bikes that you guys have fixed up or do you guys sell new <coughs> bikes as well good question seth <laughs> <laughs> i actually i started doing nothing but used bikes and then realized there was pretty huge demand um and i could not get the new styles of bikes that were coming out when i first started it was 10 speeds and cruiser bikes was all that we had and as mountain bikes started to become popular there were no used mountain bikes because they were brand new this model year for example so i had to do some new bikes so i got into new scratch and dent and distressed bicycles and today we do about 60 percent new and about 40 percent used okay Um, so still a huge number of used but we sell tons of new bikes as well right so you have Two stores now. I say one and a half. One and a half. Okay, the the small, the yeah, small one at CSU, and then your main store. And for the last, what is this? Twenty nineteen. I don't know. Twenty six years mm-hmm. uh, since nineteen ninety three. <coughs> that's been the case. Um, I know that the CSU store came came later, but yeah. uh, how has it been challenging to feel fulfilled with one and a half stores when you knew what it was like to have so many stores? Because uh, you seem. I mean, you're, you're going into retirement now, you're working less, like it yeah. seems like you're in a really good place. Uh, I'm curious to how you've, I guess, what fulfillment has looked like hmm. in your business Sure. with one store and kind of going backwards <clears throat> from that. I'm going to get as many as I can and be as well known as yep. I can and all of that. I would say it's, uh, it really is training, teaching and mentoring employees. Um, that's what I get the most satisfaction out of now. I have a really good manager really good staff really good mechanics um even though i'm not in there a whole lot with them as as i used to be i feel i know that i have really good relationship with pretty much everybody that works for me um i know at this point that i have a very good reputation as an employer as an honest uh friend right and so so that feels really good and that led me to work with the SBDC, the Small Business Development Corporation. I do uh, some consulting with them for generally newer retail businesses that are getting started. Um, So that formalized some of my mentoring training there. Right. Um, And then I I got into real estate. The bicycle business allowed me to start investing in real estate. So I've got a pretty good chunk of uh, residential and commercial real estate at this point. And so it was a variety of, of interests uh, right. That kept me going and motivated. I love that. You mentioned that so much of your fulfillment comes from training employees and stuff. I remember when I first met you, you telling me a pretty fascinating story. And I'm pretty sure I remember it was about somebody who was bra- you caught breaking in or you caught uh, trying to steal. Oh, uh, do you remember what I'm talking I, about? I do remember okay, that. Thank share, you. Share that story with us. Thank you for that great. prompt. That was uh, that was quite interesting. So I had this big store on South College in uh, in Fort Collins, and I didn't have enough room inside for all my inventory because I always have more inventory than fits. So I had a chain link fence outside the store with a bunch of bicycles in it, and so the neighborhood kids would come down occasionally and steal stuff out of the chain link fence. Um, so when I caught this young man. Uh, pretty much red-handed 
and drug him into my little office, which, was, by the way, was a converted bathroom at that point. I'd <laughs> taken the toilet out and the sink out, but there was still, looked like a bathroom. Anyway, with carpet on the floor. Uh, so I called this young man in and I said, hey, you got two choices. I said, you can either call your dad or your mom, come down and get you now, or we'll talk to the police. And he was freaked out. So anyway, his dad came down, sat with us, and I said, well, you can, you know, we can, we can call the cops because this is a crime and you're guilty. Um, or you can come in the next however many Saturdays and work a half a day cleaning bikes for me and washing parts right. and fixing inner tubes. And so he chose that uh, option, smart young man. And then many years later, like 30 years later perhaps, uh, <laughs> this gentleman comes into my store, 30, 40-year-old man with two little kids. And he said, hi, Dave, do you remember me? And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. And he said, my name is, is, um, these are my two boys. You might, you may not remember, but I used to steal bikes from you. And you gave me the chance to make good by, uh, by working for you in the summer. And that made a huge difference in my wow. life, a huge impact. And I want my kids to meet the man that helped me with that. Wow. And that, uh, that was a very, very touching moment. Wow. That's amazing. I, I love that. I, uh, you you lightly mentioned that some of the demographic that comes in to get bikes oftentimes are people that temporarily lost their license or you know they need sure. quick transportation. Um, I imagine there's just you've built really strong connections with people oh, yeah. through that. Share some other stories <coughs> that kind of stand sure. out from just the people you've worked with and met over the years. People, a couple things come to mind. First, a little business pointer that actually is a key aspect right. of long-term success would be sticking to my concept, my differential advantage, which is used bikes at affordable price points. Um, our average bike is about $300. In the industry, it's about $700. Okay. So we're way below that. Um, constantly employees everybody's trying to get fancier better bikes but we stick with what we do we take trade-ins so that was important and that reminds me that i forgot what the real question was um just some story like <laughs> story, so what people. are some stories of people that mm. either you've worked with or people you've come into contact with that that stand out that when you're looking at your story mm. it's like man these are the moments that show yes. that w the last 40 years have been valuable i this would be one of my favorite stories. I apparently have a soft spot in my heart for bearded homeless men, <laughs> if I shared this with you. And a group of bearded homeless men showed up at the bike store and they wanted parts to work on their bicycles, but were willing to work for the parts. And it turns out they were part of a cult called the Garbage Eaters, which was featured on Garbage Haters or Garbage Eaters. Eaters. Okay. It was actually featured on 60 Minutes some years ago. They travel around on bicycles and they get everything they need out of dumpsters and survive very well off of what Americans throw away on a, on a daily basis. Um, but anyway, this one young man, uh, Gad, was his name that he had adopted through this religious cult, um, came in and we, we kind of became friends. They wouldn't let him get glasses he couldn't see. I took him and got him a pair of glasses. His teeth were kind of rotting out. He was on his uh -huh. way to septic or something that would be really, really bad. Uh, so I took him to the dentist, got his teeth fixed a little bit. He kind of got a little bit disenchanted with the, with the cult. Uh, I let him sleep in the bike store on cold nights uh, for quite a while. Hmm. And, uh, and eventually he actually got out of the cult and got married, had five kids. Um, passed away this last year at a, quite a young age uh, of cancer mm -hmm. but a, a connection a lifetime connection I was best man at his wedding wow. uh, so to ha have affected a change or help affect a change in a young man who was going down a, a, a dangerous path yeah feels really good 
So that's a, that's amazing. I I think that um, you know, and and I grew up in a faith based home, and a phrase that was commonly thrown around was that the local church is the hope of the world, and hmm. I think that. Uh, communities that people are showing up to regularly are so important. And I think churches is one of those, but I also think local businesses, like people yeah. are coming into contact with business owners and they're going in regularly, sometimes a couple of times a week. Um, you, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's people that you've seen sure. that you've seen oh. every year for 30 years or something. And, and I yes. think just the potential for relationship and for impact with that is Yeah. There's is people I, I recognize around town that come in. Yes. I have customers over 40 years. You know that come in we were right. young men together or young families right. and and now they're retired or moving on and, that's amazing uh yeah friends from college uh friends from high school occasionally will come by yeah um i think that's yeah. so important because and part of the kind of the the ethos of this podcast is that small business owners are really really important to communities and it's really important to continue to show up and do work really really well and I know there's a lot of talk in the business community about, you know, growing as fast as we can, mm. um, you know, reaching yeah. as many people as we can. And uh, I think that being willing to show up and realize that uh, numerical growth and more stores is not always the only measure of success, but that, right. you know, maybe maybe GAD was why you started this or, you know, all of yeah, these. And I'm sure was, there's more more GADs, like all of these stories along the way that show that showing up as business owners and showing up in the work that we do and yes. doing it well and doing it in a personable way is, is hugely important. Yeah. There's a phrase I'd like to, I don't know if we're closing or not, but getting to, to that point, perhaps yeah. um, I've, I've learned maybe five between five and 10 years ago, the more that you give, the more that you receive. And I truly believe that um, we donate bicycles and parts and labor to Pretty much anyone that walks in the door right um whether it's individuals or groups or charities right. whatever it is and it really has I, I do it because it feels good but it also has benefited me i believe financially i think if you put it out there and you realize that the world is a place of plenty and you know you'll get what you need and and get what you work for and uh, yeah yeah i think that's so good that is very true, and I feel like it's hard to embrace uh, as a business owner when sometimes you're counting pennies and not sure where yeah. where things are going to come from. But, but I think that the yeah. truth of that doesn't change. Yeah, I think back when things were difficult before the bankruptcy, I was much more in the, uh, I would venture to say, a greedy phase. I did not donate as much. I did not give as much, and I did not receive. You know, so it was a it was a fight with. Uh, energy and a fight with the you know with the world so to speak right um so to be free and open and to give more right. it has benefited me to where now as i said at the outset my life is pretty fucking fantastic it's i'm <laughs> quite a happy guy that's great i love that <laughs> i think that uh one one element i want to talk about before we end is uh i think that your life is a pretty unique circumstance of like the right place at the right time because uh, you happen to be probably one of, if not the most respected people in the, as far as like bikes go, like people in this community think of bikes and they think of you. Um, and Fort Collins has been rated like top places to live. It's became one of the most bike friendly cities in the country. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you didn't necessarily see in the 60s and 70s Fort Collins turning into what it is now. 
But talk to me just about how has Fort Collins changed? How has the city that you've done your business changed over the last 40 years? And also how has like bike culture changed? Sure. It's, uh, yeah, the, the city, of course, has changed in, incredibly. When I went to college here, there was 50,000 people, I believe. Now we're 150,000. Um, so that's that's wild. Right. <laughs> um, traffic has gotten worse. <laughs> I'm sure. That's, that's not a good thing. Um, I think it's created more opportunity. It sure, certainly has allowed recycled cycles and me with real estate and personally to grow. Right. Um, so I think that's a benefit of growth uh, for sure. The bicycling culture surely has taken off. Um, yeah, Fort Collins is a great place to ride. Right. There's tons of great on-road paths and trails, Poudre River Trail. You can ride from Loveland to Windsor and Greeley and mm-hmm. Fort Collins and Laporte and uh, it's really kind of wonderful. Uh, people are very conscious and drivers are generally, generally, um, careful and respectful of bicyclists. So I think that's a good thing. Right. There's a bunch of organizations in Fort Collins that promote cycling, Bike Fort Collins and uh, all the various clubs, racing clubs, touring clubs. Um, so, so that has grown for sure. And uh, there's a ton of bike stores in town and most of us are doing okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think that speaks to the health of our economy and the vitality of the bicycle industry locally. Yeah. So um, one of my, my cousins, he loves, he has a bike, he has a room for his bikes. Yep. Uh, and he has, you know, he has a, a specific bike for in the summer <laughs> when he's going to Winter Park to bike yes. down the, uh, you know, bike down the ski lifts <laughs> or the ski runs with no snow. He has... Probably three different types of mountain bikes uh, for different purposes. Um, and they're all pretty pricey. Uh, like, he's probably got $20,000 of bikes. And he loves it, and that's his passion, and so it makes perfect sense for him. When bikes have continued to get more and more expensive, um, it's not difficult to go out and spend five grand, seven grand on a road bike or a mountain bike. Uh, talk to us about why and how you have stayed we want to sell $300 bikes we this this is our spot in the market and we're going to dominate it um yeah and it and it has to be because every time a new bike store opens they are going to be the next pro shop and they're going to have nothing but the finest highest quality $8,000 bikes or $12,000 bikes um it's just what they do and that works for about one half of one percent of the market um, your brother, it sounds like, is probably one of those people that has a $5,000 bike on the back of a $500 car, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we have some of those. We also say in, uh, in the industry that the perfect number of bicycles is th- what you have plus one. So you always need more. Um, That's funny. <laughs> and, you know, so my customers are not that type of rider. Your brother, for example, probably would not be a customer of mine um, because we don't have that level of product. I consider it like the, uh, if you have the Ford dealer and you've got the Rolls-Royce dealer. Right. Um, they can be right next to each other. They're not competitors. Yeah. If you're going to buy a Rolls-Royce, you don't even go to the Ford dealer and vice versa. So I would rather be the, uh, the bicycle store. We've got bikes for everyone is our little singing jingle ditty that's been on the radio for 30 some years that most people know. Um, yeah, we want to be a bike that you can afford, you can afford it. You know, yeah. if you're a college student or if you've got two or three kids and you need bikes. I think that's so cool that uh, it seems like you've been really good at saying no to like, you know, no, we don't want to. We, we, we know where our 
piece of the market is and we're exactly. going to stay there. And that's not always easy for business owners. No, no, it isn't. We still take trade-ins. If somebody's got a, a Walmart bike that they bought for their kid five years ago and now it's time for a new one, we'll take it on a trade. Right. And, and we'll give them something to help them get into a better bicycle. We consider ourselves to be a step above the discount stores as far as bicycle right. quality and price and a step below the fancy high-end bike stores uh, that many times are unaffordable. Right. So, um, what's next for you? You said that you're working less, you're traveling more, you're kind of practicing retirement as you, sure. as you mentioned, uh, and what has it looked like for you to transition out of the business that you've been working day in and day sure. out of for 40 years? Yeah. I've actually been concentrating on that pretty heavily for the last year or so. Um, my goal really is to transition the bicycle store to my manager, okay. um, through some sort of a, a stock buyout gifting, sharing type okay. of arrangement, uh, you know, in the next five years is, is sort of my plan. Okay. Um, yeah. And then spend more time traveling and relaxing and building radio control model boats and, uh, just having fun. That's awesome. Basically. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, one question I always ask every one of our guests is, um, you know, a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs will be listening to this. Uh, but you know, imagine yourself in a room and on a stage with a thousand or a hundred thousand business owners in the room. Uh, and what would your advice be to them as you know, if, if the room is filled with new business owners and you're having the opportunity to say, here's a bit of advice from my journey. Sure. How much time do I have to think of this? Let's go with, uh, <laughs> let's five go with like, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, immediately I flashed to my uh, my thought, the more that you give, the more that you receive. Uh, fe feels like really strong advice. And to work with people and uh, help pick the right people to work in your business with you. Yeah. Uh, have confidence and faith in them. Train them. Give them the tools to do the job that you expect them to do. Reward them. I have rewards and bonuses and incentives for every single person in my uh, business. Um Make them feel part of the organization, and uh, yeah, work with people. Have a plan. Got to have a good plan. Yeah. Stick with your market and your plan. Evolve if you have to, and if uh, if it if it's working, keep it working. It it feels like a lot of your stories and advice have been surrounding the the theme of uh, take care, like be a good person and be be nice to people, like whether it's in what you give or how you treat your employees or whatnot. And I just think that's really, that's really valuable. And, uh, yeah. it's great for, for me to see as a, as a younger business owner to, um, it's fun to see you transitioning out of a career that yeah. you've loved. Uh, I'm sure it's beat you up at times, but also, yeah. uh, it seems like you're really proud of the work that you've done and you're looking forward to the, to the next season. And, and I yes. think that's really fun to see. No, it's been bicycle business. It's been very, very good to me. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it, and I I still enjoy it when I go in once or twice a week for a few hours. It's great. Yeah. So. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and for being on the show. And uh, we just hope the best for you in this next season as you train mm -hmm. as you transition, uh, and as Recycled Cycles transitions. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. It's been, been my pleasure. Absolutely. Hey everyone, I hope that you loved that conversation with Dave as much as I did. I know it was so inspirational as a young business owner, um, not calling Dave old, but to see somebody who 
has just been faithfully doing business for decades and he loves what he does and it's made a difference. And so I, that, that was, that was a conversation that was not just good for the podcast, but I know I personally will remember that conversation for a long, long time. And I was so easy to take a lot um, from that conversation. And so this is the part of the show where, uh, as you know, we bring in Kurt Bear, our local business guru from Loco Think Tank, to talk about how we can actually take a wonderful conversation with Dave and apply it to our business, apply it to our passions, apply it to what we're building to make the world a better place. So welcome back to the show, Kurt, and help us understand how can we take this conversation to actually apply some of it to our life. Sure. Um, thanks again for having me, Seth. And uh, I too was inspired by Dave. I, I spent a lot of time around him for a while uh, early in his think tank career, and I haven't uh, haven't for a while. So just listening to his voice made me realize how much uh, it's time to grab a lunch with him or something like that. That's He's great. just one of those guys. Um, you know what I learned from Dave and envied, honestly, is that he had his purpose kind of figured out. You know, he went to college for the purpose of opening a retail bike store, you know, and every class was marketing for a retail used bike store. And, you know, I think for most of us, uh, we probably envy that level of understanding that early, that young. Um, But I think the takeaway is really, what are you doing to examine your purpose, you know, uh, as an individual, whether you're 10 years into a career that, that you're only okay, lukewarm with, or whether you're, nearing retirement and you're wondering what your purpose is going to be after that that role whatever that looks like that you've been going through but just kind of examining that and and understanding what you're trying to accomplish right i think too many people just get into routines get into habits get into cycles and and so like it was clear that he's rarely struggled from that Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and i think it's easy for people to and it's not even a bad thing to pick something to build a business around. Mm-hmm. I think it's more possible never to do that. But I do, I, I love that. I think it's worth pausing and kind of taking time to eg- examine your passion and your purpose. And there might be something you've been passionate about for since you were in middle school that there actually is an opportunity around. Yeah, yeah. And and then to the second chapter, the, the rise and fall, if you will, of recycled cycles. And, you know, his purpose in the beginning was to have a great bike shop and then, you know, had somebody wanted to move to Laramie and then Cheyenne and, and as that unfolded, his purpose became less about that in some respects than having a big old bike shop and, mm-hmm. and having people, you know, as he said, you know, talking about, oh, that's Dave Hudson. How many stores is he up to now? You know, yeah. yeah. And his reflection on the power of his ego and the role that that played. And right. so I think the, the takeaway is... Have, spe- have people in your lives that will speak truth into your ear and, uh, you know, not blow smoke up your skirt, mm-hmm. as they say. <laughs> um, and uh, and to just really, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Is that what the kids say these days? You're, you're, not <laughs> you're, anymore. You're, you're always, <laughs> no, that's great. I just, I like that you're dishing out all of these all of these wonderful phrases one after the other. Right, yeah, I, I have a list that I choose from. <laughs> Um, but but really, you know, just uh, ego is important and it can drive us to, to this place that we're not yet at, right? But it also can be destructive and it can lead us astray. Um, he, that was really, he strayed from his purpose 
because it was all about growth and development kind of of this enterprise. Mm-hmm. And was that really what he was there for? So right. I, I enjoyed that part. And then from the ashes of that, really the the recycled cycles for the next 30 plus years or mm-hmm. whatever emerged. And that enterprise was all about reinvesting in the community, investing in people, empowering leaders, you know, the reputation that they have for being a, a great culture to work with, work in, the reputation at Recycled Cycles for being a place to work uh, for, you know, oftentimes college kids and things like that is just great. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the redemption of the guy that was stealing from him and things. And so he's just continually invested in people. And I think especially in these last maybe 10 years or so, maybe the whole time, but, but realized that that's what's paying back to him, yeah, you know, and feeding him back is that continual investment in people. Uh, and it just flows back with that community goodwill and social capital that Recycled Cycles has. Yeah, it, it certainly seems to be a theme, an unintended theme on this podcast that your people really, really matter and how you treat your people. And so my my hope is that uh, as as we bring this episode to a close, uh, that all of our listeners, that we all, and I say that including myself, that we all realize uh, just how important it is to treat people well and to invest in people and to care. In in Dave's case, not only about doing the right thing, but the development of people. Right. There's so many people in his stories that he could have just brushed off and said, you know, get off my property or <laughs> go away or whatever. But he chose to actually invite them in and to care about what those people needed. Um, and I think his story is evidence to the fact that if you care for people and, you know, obviously you have to apply good, healthy business practices as well, but caring for people over time, it just, just works. It's well, and that's not pretty, new. Yeah. Um, it's not new. I think, uh, Lee Iacocca's book from like 1979 huh. or somewhere around there was talking just about that. You know, every business is a people business. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else from, from that? Con- I mean, I know there's, I know there's many, many things, but any, any last things from, our conversation with Dave that you want us to leave with today? You know, I think, uh, I think that's enough for now. I, okay. I just really got a lot out of that conversation with Dave and, and appreciated his heart for the community. And, and I hope that it inspires a lot of people to, uh, develop that kind of mindset toward their community with their business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope that this week's episode was, um, not just fun to listen to or something to pass the time, but we hope it was actually impactful for you. And we hope that as you go on with your day and go on with your life and your businesses and your pursuits, that you can take some of these takeaways and apply them to your life. And as always, we, we really look forward to joining you again next week. We have episodes live every single Friday on the Small Business Storytellers and um, don't forget to take time to really look at your passion look at your purpose take time to examine your purpose um, like Dave did and he threw everything he had into it we love that so I hope that all of you have a wonderful week and we look forward to bringing another amazing story to you next Friday on the small small business storytellers but thank you again for listening we would love for you to send us Um, your feedback, good or bad, so we can continually make this show better and better for you. We will see you next week on the Small Business Storytellers.